It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma City Thunder get their biggest road win of the year and look incredible while doing it. SGA is saying all the right things. Josh Giddy is performing well in the clutch, and this entire Thunder team played excellent in Philadelphia. And dare we talk about playoffs? We'll find out on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by LinkedIn, we're going to dive into the best road win for OKC. SGA was awesome and is saying the right things to give you the warm and fuzzies. Josh Giddy was immaculate in the clutch. Both Jalen Williams play incredible. Trey Mann was cooking, and this team continues to play at a high level that makes us wonder if it's time for playoffs. But today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. So we start the way we always do with our game overview and in this game, the Thunder, of course, did not have Chet Holmgren or Usman Jang or Jeremiah Robinson or Alexei Pokashevsky. And then those guys were out. Eugene Marui and Aaron Wiggins were both DNP CDs. The Sixers are only missing G League assignments. They were fully healthy. They were fully loaded. They were ready to go in this game. The Thunder have struggled on the road all year long. This is the first leg of a back-to-back on the road, the second straight road game after a brutal Miami loss on Tuesday on national television. The Sixers dusted OKC in Bricktown on New Year's Eve, and the Sixers had won 13 of their last 16 games on a two-game winning streak, but yet the Thunder prevail in Philadelphia. With the starters for OKC being SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams, and Jalen Williams. For the Sixers, it was their playoff five. I mean, it was Harden, Maxey, Harris, Tucker, and Bede. And yet the Thunder went into Philadelphia where they typically play bad on the road and won a incredible game. And you won this incredible game because SGA is a superstar. He just is. 37 points, six assists, eight rebounds, a steal, two blocks, only one turnover. He shot 62% from the floor. He's an efficient superstar, shooting one for one from three, which is a beautiful step back to open the game. 16 for 16 at the free throw line. And there were so many highlight plays in this game for the Thunder, but especially for SGA. 
He had the one-on-one transition, fast break against James Harden. We're like, yes, the Thunder were hunting out James Harden all game long, especially SGA was hunting out James Harden. But that wasn't a James Harden thing. That was a, there's no way to stop SGA thing. When he gets you downhill, what are you supposed to do? Because he can kill you in the mid-range. He can kill you with the mid-range step backs. He can stop on a dive. He can get downhill and, and, and attack at the rim and close at the rim better than any guard in the NBA almost, you know, up there with the best guards in the NBA at finishing at the rim. So what can you do to defend that? At that point, you're on your heels and you're guessing. But here's the thing. Because of the play style that SGA plays, because he's so methodical, calculated, and under control, patient, fluid, slow, if you want to call it slow, kind of a it looks like slow motion, obviously, but it's incredibly athletic and fast. Because he's all those things, even if you guess right, he can just herky-jerk his way to the rim or herky-jerk his way back to a fallaway you know, mid-range jumper, and there's nothing you can do. He had the game-sealing steal with a couple uh, free throws after the foul by Embiid to really send the Sixers fans home and make it a 10-point game again. Uh, he had a block of Embiid to start the game, he had a step back in the mid-range, just nailing heavily contested mid-range jumpers, and, and, and that has to be frustrating for defenses. And the Thunder officially have another player to add to their list of, of lengthy players who are what I would call throw-your-hands-up players. Just throw your hands up because it doesn't matter. And you're going to sit there and you can defend him the best possible way, right? You can get in his grill. You can close out strong. You can dang near foul him. He's still going to make the shot. He's still going to score. He's still going to find ways to impact the game and score on you. What can you do? There's a play in this game where SGA passes up a wide open three to put his head down and go to the rack and then pulls up at the elbow. The defender sticks to him, gets almost in his jersey, and he hits an elbow jumper with a guy in his jersey. And he passes up an open three for an even better look for him. Even though it's more tightly contested for him, he lives there, he lives in that in that environment, and he knocks it down. It's, it's going to start to happen more and more where you're going to start to see SGA score and defenses just throw their hands up, look at the bench and say, what do you want me to do? What would you like me to do? Because any tighter defense than that, and I foul him, and he still made the shot. SGA flexing on, on Matisse Thibel after that tough bucket at the rim to put OKC up 101 to 82. Like that emotion, it's great to see. After the game, he told Nick Gallo on the Bali Sports broadcast, that he felt like the ball was a little too sticky to him last game against Miami, and he fixed that, as he did. And while fixing that, limited the turnovers to just, what, one in this game? And then, during the big media scrum, SGA has this amazing quote where he says, quote, I think we are going to be a really good team a lot sooner than people think. I see the growth every day. I see the growth over the last five months, years, two years, I see the growth, and I'm super excited about it. That's what he said, SGA. Add that to the pile of of your defense mechanisms against the national narrative about SGA and the national kind of conversation on SGA. But more specifically, for him to say, I think we're going to be a really good team a lot sooner than people think. 
for him to say he sees the growth every day, he's seen it in the last five months. And for him to say in the past that he appreciates how Sam Presti explains the plan to him and he understands the plan from Sam Presti. So keep in mind that that's all stuff that SGA has said. Now also keep in mind that Sam Presti has discussed that the way they're going to handle this season is, you know, if they're playing games of consequences, pretty much, they're going to leave it alone. They're a half game out of the play-in tournament. Had Miami not made 40 consecutive free throws on Tuesday, much less been granted 40 free throws on Tuesday, they'd be sitting right now in the play-in tournament on the standings list. Are these games of consequence? It's SGA vying for an all-star spot, which I think he's locked up. It's SGA vying for an all-NBA spot, which I think he might be able to get to this year, especially if he takes his team to the playoffs. And you're just running out of options. Like, if you truly believe, and, and I don't mean to pick on him, but if you truly believe that the Thunder are going to trade Darius Basley, because Sam Presti never lets guys get to restricted free agency, because it doesn't look like they're going to re-sign him, like everyone would predict that they're not going to, and they're just not going to bring him back. If you truly believe they're going to make a swing of a trade for him and, and just get back a whatever piece, right? I've been mentioning the Hamadou Diallo for Sumakai Luke trade. That trade, you gave away a player who was not in your long-term plans. You got back a player who's not in your long-term plans. You just wash your hands of it. If that's the trade that they're going to make, well, then that player that you get back from that from that deal, from Baisley, is not going to be playing over Aaron Wiggins. And so you're going to, you're going to sub in the minutes for Baisley tonight for Wiggins, and your team gets better. There's just not very many levers you can pull to make this team worse. There's not very many, you know, ways to make this team stop winning basketball games. And you're not going to shut down SGA. I don't believe that they have shut down SGA before in terms of like, I don't think that these injuries have been fake for SGA nonetheless. So barring health, and I say that understanding this team has survived a heck of a lot. Like we say barring health and, and, when we say that, mostly the picture in your mind is SGA. But this team has been playing for weeks now without a big man. Chet Holmgren got hurt in August. Poku, who was playing great this season for his standards and is playing like a really, really nice rotational piece, he's been out and will continue to be out for another, what, four or five weeks. Jeremiah Robinson Earl hasn't played since before Christmas with an ankle sprain, and he's a really good player down low, which is the Thunder's biggest area of need. And even with all of that... They have still managed to keep themselves relevant, keep themselves within a half a game of the play-in because of the jumbled West standings, because of, you know, Minnesota not taking the leap that people expected, because of all these other factors, mainly because the Thunder are winning more games. They were national media people like John Hollinger who looked at this roster on paper and said they're going to win 20 games this year and printed it. They put it in print at a reputable Great source like The Athletic. The Thunder have 19 wins in January. If they can win tonight against Chicago on the second half of back-to-back, they'll have already reached that plateau. And I don't say that to pick on John Hollinger. I'm just saying like that was the expectation. But now we're here, even with all this adversity that they've dealt with, it hasn't been SGA that's been out. It hasn't been Josh Gay that's been out. It hasn't been one of your top guys, except for Chet Holmgren. But it has been players who heavily impact the outcome of games. And you've still survived it. You're two weeks away from Usman Jang getting reevaluated and hopefully, you know, getting the all-go, you know, the all-clear close to it. 
Jeremiah Robson Earl is still apparently not day to day, despite the ankle sprain happening like December 14th or whatever it was, or 15th. You know, I think it was at that Dallas, you know, that last Dallas road game before the seven game, you know, before the seven game homestand, but still like you've weathered the storm to this point, you're going to get those guys back eventually and you've got to play them, which is going to make the team better. So it feels like these are games of consequence. It feels like these are games in which the Thunder have decided that they're going to try to make the play, and, and, and that would be quite the statement. That would be quite the statement. For Memphis being the darlings of never tank, go see how long they missed the playoffs before their first arrival back in the play-in. And then go see how long the Thunder have missed the playoffs before their next play-in arrival, if they can get there this year. And then look at the rosters and the future draft assets. Something to think about. And, and this stretch is going to be interesting. And, and I hate to push back Judgment Day, but I think we're going to have to just based on that Miami game that, that you know, look, if the Miami game was a win you know, in a one-point basketball game and now you're riding a one, two, three, four-game winning streak into Chicago, like this thing would be totally different. So, so I hate to do it based off of one game. But like I had Judgment Day for whenever this team returned back home to Indiana against Indiana. Let's look at this from where the Thunder sit right now, a half game out of the play-in. They go to Chicago, who is not going to have um, DeMar DeRozan. He's listed as doubtful. Zach Levine is listed as probable, but he's probable, but he's still in the report. And then they won't have Tony Bradley, they won't have Javante Green, and they won't have Lonzo Ball. Like They're going to go to Chicago, yes, on the second out of the back-to-back, yes, on a road road back-to-back, and yes, they probably shouldn't win that just based on the schedule. But a Bulls team without one of their best players in DeRozan, they're going to play the Nets without Kevin Durant. They're going to play the Pacers without Therese Halliburton. And then they play Sacramento, Denver, Atlanta, Cleveland, Golden State to end the month. I think February 1st, if the Thunder are still a game and a half out of the play-in or less, then it's full go. Not necessarily that you make any roster moves, but it's just take the idea of getting to the bottom out of your head completely because... February 1st, you start a you start a two-game set with Houston. Then you play the Warriors again, this time in Golden State. Then you play the Lakers, Portland, you know, who are both play-in you know, opponents or you know, future opponents or people you got to beat to get those seeds anyway. And you're going to start to take this season and see the season take shape. It'll be fun. That's the bottom line. It'll be fun. I'm not sure how the season's going to shake out, but it's going to be fun. We'll talk more about this game coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, about our good friends over at LinkedIn, folks. LinkedIn is awesome. It is a platform that you want to use, especially if you own a small business or you're a hiring manager. You know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why to go to LinkedIn Jobs right now, you need to check it out because LinkedIn Jobs can hire qualified candidates more effectively by matching open roles with people who have the skills, the values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resumes and data points to match you with insightful members with your job posts and your company that they can actually use from their over 875 million member database with profiles and posts that you can put in front of them for the qualified candidates. And you can identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them faster for free. So go right now to LinkedIn Jobs to make your life easier. You can screen and rate applicants based on what their qualifications are all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn number one on delivering qualified hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked in MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked in MBA. 
Post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply, but go check out linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. We're back talking Thunder basketball. And we lead segment number two with Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. Best game of his career. That's not a bold take. That's just what it is. Best game of his career um, by a mile in the NBA. Had a triple-double in the G League, but still, best game of his career in the NBA. Second possession of the game. He gets the gets the ball, top of the key, pops a three, bangs it home. And that was whenever I tweeted out how, how different it looked because watching J-Wheel as closely in the G League, you know, sitting courtside and watching on like, even in the G League, it took a little bit to get comfortable. And by comfortable, you can interchange that word with confident. And I, I hate to cast that upon him and say he wasn't confident before. So I like to use what Kim and Woods and Mark have said about force. It took him a bit to start playing with offensive force and start, you know, being comfortable enough to take a three-pointer, even if he's wide open. Like making the decisions, so to say, for himself uh, or and not necessarily deferring is another way to say it. But that had the look of what he looked like with the blue in his later stages with it in the G League. So he had that three. He had the Dr. J layup, the scoop layup after that. He had the uh, charge that he drew. He had the outlet passes, a QB getting an assist. Uh, still, getting in foul trouble, that's kind of the one negative. Like everything else, everything else was great. The passing and playmaking was great. The scoring was great. Uh, the positioning was great as in the dunker spot, facilitating out of the high post, being in pick and rolls. All that was great. Scrapping for rebounds and getting tap-out rebounds, that was great. He had that monster slam in the dunker spot with the no-look pass from J-Dub, which was awesome. He looked comfortable. He had 11 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Both of them were to J-Dub, so J-Will to J-Dub connection going strong still. Only one turnover, 27 minutes, but he had 5 fouls. So he still, the only negative is he's still dealing with what young players typically do down low of any size, but especially when you're young and undersized. You're going to foul more. You're going to get caught with your hand in the cookie jar. You're going to get uh, caught in the wrong position, and you're going to foul more. It's just a matter of limiting that to the best of your ability. But all in all, great game from Jay Will. Let's talk Josh Giddy. An area of Josh Giddy's game that I think should be discussed more, and I think soon will be discussed more, is just the intangibles or the it factor or the usual gimmicky stuff that people just throw out there and don't really have stuff to back it up with, but you can actually back it up with Josh Giddy. He's a winner. Like in the clutch, he performs his best in this game. He had 20 points. So remember this 20 points, eight assists, four rebounds, a steal. He went one for three from three shot 50% from the floor. So he had 20 points in the fourth quarter. He got 11 of those 20 points with two of those four rebounds and one assist of those eight. He only missed two shots in the fourth quarter. On Tuesday in the fourth quarter, he scored 10 of his 18 points. 
He had the and one to put OKC up 112 to 97, which was huge. He had that contested three, which was huge. He was getting downhill stronger uh, in different portions of this game, which allowed him to get five free throw attempts. He is shooting free throws at a historically low rate for a guy that gets that goes and does work in the paint. And so it's good to see that trending in a more positive direction. And since December 1st, he's shooting like 92% at the free throw line, which is also good to see him shooting better at the free throw line. He had the beautiful backdoor cut pass to SGA for a slam. SGA, of course, now has a career high in dunks at 25. Uh, continues to pile on that career high. Josh Giddy, his clutch gene is not just his scoring. We pointed out the points differential there and, and how he's scoring a lot of them and the majority of them in the in the fourth quarter. It's just a knack for clutch rebounding too. And that one is hard to qualify because he did get half of his rebounds in the fourth quarter, but it's just when he gets them. It's, it's when he gets them and it's so huge. It's always to save a possession or to end a possession that desperately needed one or the other. It's to save a possession where you took an ill-advised shot or you missed a free throw or, or whatever. It's the end of possession where this is like their third chance and you finally get it to end without any damage done. Like it just is always in the big moments. And it could be coincidental, but it also could be really nicely tied to Josh Giddy and the way that he's wired. He plays with a passion and an energy that makes you believe that he really, really cares about winning. And they all care about winning, but it's just... Giddy's is such is such an ability for him to transcend that and make it pop off the screen at you because he kind of shows it, wears it on his sleeve a little bit. And the data points back it up that he's playing really well in these fourth quarters. And he's playing really well in these fourth quarters while SGA's on the floor. They're playing well together. They're playing well off of each other. So it's almost like we shouldn't have judged them prematurely because now, after they get some games under their belt, all of a sudden, they're closing out games strong. They're winning games in the fourth quarter. They're having this team on the brink of the play-in without their third-best player in Chet Holmgren. Without, you know, and you can argue he's the second-best player, but we're not going to get into that right now. One of their top three players in Chet Holmgren. Without their two big men. Without their lottery pick in Usman Jang. And they're still having this cook. And that is where the Thunder future, no matter how this season pans out, continues to look so bright. It's because this was not supposed to happen. You still don't have your best asset from the rebuild. Like, think about this. Josh Giddy, fantastic. Picked him at six. Your second overall pick, the highest pick of this rebuild, has not played yet. The guy that's supposed to be the unicorn, supposed to be the unicorn, and supposed to be the, the, the top guy, hasn't even played yet, and you're still right there. And, and we talk about the play-in. But it's not crazy to talk about the playoffs because they're only like two and a half games out of the sixth seed. Now, when they get to the sixth seed, that is way lofty. Let's worry about the play-in right now. But it just goes to show that they're closer to avoiding the play-in in a, po- in a positive way, avoiding the play-in in a positive way, than they are to being atop the Victor Mignano sweepstakes, to being in the mix for the Victor Mignano sweepstakes. They are closer to avoiding the play-in than they are to the fourth worst record of the NBA, which is where they had finished the last two seasons. And that's without Chet Holmgren. That's without two of your three lottery picks. That's without Poku, who you've invested so much into. That's without Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who you traded two, two second-round picks for to go up and get. That's without cashing in any of your future draft picks, aside from the Usman Cheng trade, to go buy that first-round pick. That, that's without hardly anything besides just 
maturation of this group. It's with one additional lottery pick to that pairing that they're almost you know, to that playoff play-in spot. We'll talk about J-Dub, Trey Mann, and how the Thunder won this game all coming up. But first, I'm going to tell you right now about our good friends over at Bet Online, folks. Bet Online is the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and breakdowns for the latest odds, trends, and action on every professional and amateur league out there from pro and college football, basketball, baseball, hockey, WNBA, FIBA, everything. World Baseball Classic coming up as well. Check it out today at betonline.net. If you love sports, they have you covered there. Always going to have you there for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports betting action. Head over right now today on your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. You type in betonline.net, open up their sports book, and then boom, you can bet on the NFL playoffs. Niners are nine and a half point favorites at home against the Seahawks. Let's see if that comes true on Saturday. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. We're back talking J-Dub. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Let's talk J-Dub from Santa Clara. 14 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds, a steal, a block. Ooh, that chase down block. That chase down block really got me going, and it made me think of Mike Breen going, oh, blocked by James. I needed Chris Fisher to break out. Of, oh, blocked by Jada. But it's okay. It's okay, Chris. I'll give you a pass for this one. 54% from the floor, two for three from three. And he has some nice cuts. We've talked about him as a player. One thing that we're talking about here real quickly is just the swagger, like the confidence, the, the cool factor. Like, like throwing that pass to J-Will in the dunker spot for that rim-rattling rim slam and just forcing it to be a no-look pass out of nowhere just for fun. Like, th- those cool highlight plays from J-Dub, the coolness of Shea on his Instagram posts after these games where he's posting Poku fanny packs and 2K screenshots. You know, everything about this team is good vibes, really cool guys to follow, and really cool brands for fans to catch on to. And that is so important in a small market. In a small market, that's the only way you become a transcendent logo where your logo is represented around the world as it was during Russell Westbrook's era, as it was during the Kevin Durant era, as it was, you know, many, many years ago. It can be that once again with how cool these guys are. So it's great that they're amazing basketball players. It's also really cool that they're also really cool people as well. Uh, Trey Mann played great. 18 minutes, 14 points, two assists. Man, Trey Mann was awesome. Like, he had the slithery paint step back elbow jumper, which was cool, that kind of weave in and out of two uh, defenders off the dribble and then hit the uh, step back at the elbow. He had a miss that went just halfway home and came back out, which is tough luck. He also has continued to make these plays where he looks so poised. Like, 
There was one play where there was a deflection. He had to run over to the sideline, grab the ball, and as he gets the deflection, he turns that into a layup at the rim by going past Harden. He had a shooter's roll three-pointer, which kind of made up for the in-and-out three-pointer. And he had a heat check from the arena logo, which he missed. But he's he's making mistake-free basketball. And, of course, the biggest highlight was a step back over James Harden at the free-throw line, which got everyone uh, happy on Thunder Twitter. There's also great minutes here from uh, Kenny Hustle, who um, had a huge three to make it, 109-95. to 95. Mike Muscala played well in drop coverage whenever Jay Will got in foul trouble as well. Uh, Isaiah Joe had a cold shooting night, but other than that, like it was, it was awesome. And to put this game into context, the Thunder played with great pace. The Thunder generated great shots and great looks with great ball movement. And they came out with their hair on fire in the first quarter after Mark challenged them to bring the urgency. And I think that that's a big deal. I think that when your coach brings you a challenge and every time Mark has told us before the game in the media, the challenge pregame, it's translated. I think that that's a big deal, that the players are listening and, and, and taking these challenges to heart and fixing it, fixing the issue. Because he said to Joe Mazzato uh, in Philadelphia before the game that you know they understand that Philadelphia came into their building in the Paycom Center on New Year's Eve and really put a beat down on them. they got to come out with more urgency. That's exactly what they did. He's talked before before games about, hey, this game, we got to bring physicality. And then they do that. So correcting it with what Mark wants them to do is, is huge. And then... I mentioned this on the, on the watch playback I did, so you can go follow me over at watch playback at Locked on Thunder. We're going to be watching some games together, especially whenever the team's on the road. But for as great as SGA played in the first quarter, again, the pace, the the, the, the ball movement, the shot creation, the, the good looks, for as great as they played, uh, they were still tied after one quarter. He made zero progress on the scoreboard. But then OKC could grow a, grow a 10-point lead at halftime. After halftime, though, you've got a 10-point lead, you're entering your best quarter of the season. You've always dominated the third quarter. With a 10-point lead, you're thinking, this is right where we want to be. And then Philadelphia throws an amazing counterpunch. It's a team that's been there. It's a team that's an Eastern Conference contender. They throw a counterpunch to take a 10-0 run in the third quarter to tie the game and then take the lead on even bigger what was looking to be a knockout blow as the Philadelphia fans got into it, the players got into it. How did this young Thunder team respond? How did the second youngest team in the NBA and the second youngest, I mean, I'm sorry, the youngest team in the NBA this year and the second youngest team in NBA history, only second to last year's Thunder team, how did they respond? Only by going on a 12-3 run of their own and gaining that lead right back. But then the Sixers threw that left hook and they made it a six-point game in the middle of the fourth quarter. Once again, the second youngest team in NBA history and the youngest team this year in the NBA in OKC had another great response to eventually grow this lead back out to double digits. They got in beat in foul trouble. Harden missed some open looks. But other than that, the Thunder just flat out outplayed Philadelphia. Flat out outplayed them. And again, there's no excuses for, the, for Philadelphia. Fully healthy. They were in the game in the third quarter. Like the, the players were into it. They brought urgency. They brought intensity. They played the best that they could in that third quarter. But OKC answered the bell each and every time. The Thunder drew five offensive fouls. Jay Will got one. Bays got one. Dort got one, Kenny got two. And even with the off-shooting night from Isaiah Joe, even with Baisley playing over Wiggins and, and having a bad night, Baisley did not have a good night offensively at all, but played some really good defense that cannot be lost in this game. But Baisley was just not there at all offensively. Even with all of that, OKC 
beats a contending Sixers team 133 to 114. The Thunder once led by uh, 21 points. They only trailed by as many as four. There were three lead changes, eight times tied. Both teams had 39 rebounds, so completely even on the glass. OKC had six fewer turnovers. The Thunder won points in the paint, 52 to 44. The Thunder dominated fast break points, um, 21 to 12, which I've been telling you for two years now, the fast break points is where the Thunder should make their money and is going to eventually lead them to more wins. It's showing up this year in a big way, especially in this game, 21 to 12. The Thunder did lose second chance points, 15 to 7. OKC shot 51, 42, and 94, while Philadelphia shot 44, 30, and 92. OKC covered the spread. SGA is your MVP, and we'll have a bonus podcast for you Saturday after the Bulls game because we're here for you every single weekday and after every single Thunder game, which means Monday morning we'll have a Nets recap for you after the Sunday game. And the injuries are becoming a storyline for OKC considering the fact that the Bulls will have DeMar DeRozan doubtful, Zach Levine probable, Tony Bradley out, Javante Green out, Alonzo Ball out. The Nets will not have KD. The Pacers will not have Halliburton. We'll see. We'll see how this season goes, but we're going to be here for you every single step of the way. So subscribe on all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. And remember, the Thunder might make the playoffs. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 